Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I find it amazing that God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, decides to use people like you and I to carry out his purposes. He redeems sinners by the death and resurrection of Jesus on the cross, but he gives his work of salvation to us through means of other sinners. How did you come to know Jesus? It was a saved sinner who told you about him. Maybe it was a pastor. Maybe it was a mom or dad or grandfather or grandmother. Maybe it was a friend. But you can be sure that the person, that person, apart from Jesus, deserved nothing but present and eternal punishment, like we confessed earlier. But Jesus patiently uses sinners like you and I to carry his word, the word first shared by the apostles, to this lost world. God uses the pastoral office. He uses the communion of saints. He uses them, he uses you, to carry his saving message throughout this world. Now, we might be tempted to think, that, boy, he really trusts us <laughs> with this work. Or, even worse yet, we may be th tempted to think, he needs me, because who's going to step up if I don't? But these things couldn't be further from the truth. He doesn't need us for anything. But he graciously includes us in everything that he is doing. Because we need him. In our gospel, which includes, in our gospel, Jesus includes members of the 12 apostles in his advent. His advent was the king coming into the city of Jerusalem. He was coming to die for the sins of the world. And the Holy Spirit would cause people to gather around this advent cause people to break forth in song, even though the people had no idea of what was really taking place. We're, we're the same way. Think about our church service. Jesus says that when two or three are gathered in his name, that he is there with them. Brothers and sisters, we are gathered in Jesus' name. Jesus says, if you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. We forgave sin in his name. And Jesus says, take eat, take drink. This is my body, this is my blood given and shed for you. And we eat and we drink. The one in whom the fullness of God is pleased to dwell is with us. He is forgiving our sins 
and he is giving himself to us for food. Do we understand the depth of what is taking place in our worship services? This is the God of all creation. He spoke and the furthest star in the farthest reaches of the universe appeared. And he says that he is with us even this morning. The Holy Spirit directs us to Jesus and he uses us. He uses us to sing the praises and the depths of these mysteries to one another. Now before, before the people broke out in song on Palm Sunday, Jesus set up camp on the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives looks directly over Jerusalem. You can see the whole city from up there. Jesus directed two of his disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. Now our gospel went on to share that Jesus did these things in order to fulfill scripture. And the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their clothes and sat on them. And he sat on them. Now my question is this. Why would Jesus have them do this? Why would he include these two men in his advent? Couldn't think about who he is. Stars appeared at his voice. Couldn't he just speak a donkey into existence? Couldn't he just speak cloaks to be put upon it? Couldn't he just summon a wild donkey out of the bushes with his mind to have it appear? Why did he choose to use these guys? It's a question worth asking. And I'm sure that it was for their benefit and for ours, not his. Everything that Jesus does is out of love for the Father and it's out of his love for you. He involved them. He involved these guys who knew his love in his work of bringing his love to others. Now when the Sunday morning that we know as Palm Sunday came, Jesus made his appearance. God's people were gathered by the Holy Spirit and they were waiting for him. Their expectations were running high, obviously. He was coming into the heart of the holy city. They had heard all that he had done and they couldn't wait to see what he would do in their presence. He had fed 5,000 with a few fish and loaves. He could heal the sick. And they said that the wisdom that he had was as such as had never been seen before. He would be the greatest king that the world would have ever known. The crowds gathered to see him to praise him. And most of the crowd 
spread their cloaks on the road and they, get, and they cut branches from the trees and they spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. The Holy Spirit gathered a people to receive Jesus as he came to do his saving work that only he could accomplish. And the Holy Spirit used sinners to cry out in song the fulfilled word of God as they sang Hosanna. And the song that they sang on that day, it is the same song that the church sings when Jesus makes his flesh and blood advent among us in the Lord's Supper. The church still echoes this song singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And as the church sings this song, the Holy Spirit is still using sinners to testify to other sinners. Think of the person sitting next to you. (laughs) This is a testimony that God is in your midst. Remember, God does not need you and I. He is here in word and sacrament. And he is here in humility. He is here to seek. And he is here to save the lost. He is here to heal and to strengthen the weak. Jesus is here not in his glory for us to serve him. He is rather here in his humility to serve you and I. But the eyes of faith and the call of the Holy Spirit, we cannot let this work of his go unnoticed. So the Holy Spirit uses your voice in song and uses mine as well. And the testimony of the scriptures and the testimony of sinners saved is sung among us as his people. The eyes of faith recognize Jesus' work. The eyes of faith do not see the work of a pastor, but rather the work of God. The eyes of faith look beyond simple water and simple bread and wine, and they see the God of all creation at saving work among his people. The baptismal font becomes a lavish, the Bible calls it a lavish washing away of sin. And the eyes of faith look beyond the lips of sinners sharing this good news. And they see the face of Christ himself. My son and I were talking about baptism one night, and you may have heard this, but bear with me. And Noah was talking to me about baptism. He said, do you remember this person's baptism, this person's baptism, and this person's baptism? And The answer was yes and yes and yes. 
And Noah said to me, do you remember my baptism? And I smiled at him and I said, Noah, I baptized you. And he gave me the weirdest look. He went. You mean Jesus baptized me through you. (laughs) This was when he was five years old. And I was blown away. And I said, that is exactly right, Noah. Jesus baptized you using my hands and my lips. God didn't have to use me in this work, but he did. And you know what? It's an amazing thing. I think of the people that Jesus used to share me, share with me his saving work. I am bound to those people in love. And they are bound to me. And as we witness Jesus' work through us, as we share his word with one another, our faith in him is strengthened. Do we make mistakes? Yes. And we continue to sin against one another. That same boy that Jesus baptized through me, I've had to tell him I am sorry. And he's had to say, I forgive you. But each week and every day, God calls us back to one another to confess our sins and to forgive our sins. We use his law, or rather he uses his law through us, that we have come to love because we recognize that this law is love. We use his law to find the cancer of sin within us, within our lives. And then we speak that sweet gospel, the forgiveness of sins to one another. And through these means, the Lord of all creation walks among us in humility humbly doing his work, humbly disguising himself in our midst, in things like water, in things like speech, in things like print, in things like bread and wine. But our eyes of faith, they can't keep from seeing him, and our lips of faith can't keep from bursting forth in song declaring that he is present to forgive, give hope, and declare the promise of everlasting life to us. He uses each of our voices in confession, in song, and in prayer to strengthen others who gather. You may be thinking at this point, well, especially if you're a student, I really have no idea how this sermon is going to help me in the next two weeks. (laughs) Or you may be thinking, well, I found this sermon a bit confusing at points, and I'm not sure where I fit in with all of this. Well, this sermon isn't really designed to get you to do anything. Even though it points out that God may use you, The point of this sermon isn't to make you feel particularly special either. 
Although it does blow me away when I think of how God uses us. But what I would like each of us to notice is that Jesus is here for our benefit. And we want to draw near to receive his gifts. And upon receiving his gifts, I want you to notice that he will change you. He will change your heart to love others as God in Christ first has loved you. And you may find yourself seeing someone without hope and you may listen to them. You may listen to their problems. And when appropriate, you may find that you can't help but tell them about Jesus who you hope in. You may find yourself inviting someone to church. And you may find yourself being company to the lonely as Jesus and his church comforted you in your loneliness. And as you abide in Christ, you may just find that you begin to live less for yourself and more for others. That means that you are bearing the fruit of love. As you abide in Christ, you may be a little less concerned with your own survival, with your own well-being, because you will understand that, in, that God in Christ is taking care of you. This will free you to start thinking about others. God doesn't have to use sinners like you and I, but I feel so blessed that he does. My hope for myself, and this is for me, my hope for myself is that by the Holy Spirit, I would abide in Christ. He doesn't need me. But as I abide in him by the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray that he would keep his promise to me and bear the fruit of love in my life for my neighbor so that others would be saved as he shares his word through a sinner like me. And this prayer for myself is the same prayer that I have for you. I pray that you would abide in Jesus by coming to services on Sunday, through reading your Bible throughout the week, through coming to Bible studies, through prayerful reading of his word and catechism on your own. And I pray that as you sit there at the feet of the Savior, that he would sanctify you in his truth. His word is truth. And I pray that as you abide in his word, that his love for you would have its way with you so that you would love your neighbor as yourself. He doesn't need you, but you need him. I pray that he would make his advent to the people that you know through your words and actions. In the name of Jesus, amen.